Hi, welcome to Season 2 of the Silverline Podcast, an audio version of our video streams that we hold weekly. They're edited a little bit to make them a little more concise. My name is Roland Mann. I'm the head honcho at Silverline, and we have a great time making fun comics that we think that you'll enjoy. So thank you for listening, and maybe go check out some of our comics if you haven't already. In this episode, the Tuesday Gang talked to Common America writer Mark Pellegrini. It originally aired April 5th, 2022. Guten Tag, comic <laughs> fans. Uh, welcome to a show on Tuesday. With your Silverline crew, I'm your host, Tim TK. And also, we have a special guest we'll get to in a secret. It's a surprise. Don't look at his name. It's on the screen right in front of you. Joined, as always, by Mr. Q616, Quentin Bedwell. In the prime reality. That's right. The prime reality. <laughs> a little too much reality for me sometimes. And uh, that's why I'm, I'm an absurdist. I uh, just, nothing is abstraction. Reality is what you make of it. Yeah. And also by uh, Jose Fuentes. I don't know any of these people. <laughs> Never met them. <laughs> I don't think that'll hold up in the court of law, but there nope. you go. Right. Uh, <laughs> We do actually we have two special guests. One one's a limited time special guest. We have our chief cat wrangler, Roland Man. Hello, everyone. Right. I'm, I'm really just here to, to say hi to Mark and then and then bail. And <laughs> we also have Mark. Mark, uh, tell us about yourself, your name, your your works, uh, where people can find you, your regular purchase at 7-Eleven. <laughs> Coca-Cola <laughs> Slurpee. Let's leave with that. There you go. Nice. But yeah, I'm uh, Mark Pellegrini. I'm the writer for uh, Common America, Black Hops USAGI, and uh, some horror stories that have been published in Cursova Pulp Magazine. But I'm um, happy to be here. I've known Roland for a few years. We tend to hit the same cons here in Arkansas and sometimes I think Texas, maybe. So I was happy that you uh, were able to invite me on. We've had you on our channel, the Bunderdome, a couple times, too. So Yep, yep. Uh, yep I can so... be on the other side of the screen. Yeah, so yeah, I've I've been uh, been anxious to reach out to, to you and get you on here. So, well, thanks Tim, for having Tim, me on. I, I wanted to, I, I wanted I, to I, basically ask you guys a bunch of questions about some weird <laughs> black and white '80s comics that I've been buying. I'm like, yes. man, do I know anybody old enough to remember these? Things? <laughs> the internet doesn't seem to be turning up any info. <laughs> Yeah, I, I am going to have to dig through my uh, through my my boxes and see if I can find some. I, I know we were talking about it before we started. I know I've got some Solson comics and I am I am I am 99 percent sure I still have those, you know, how to how to publish your own comic. Uh, I want to say it was either two or three issues. It was a little mini series. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, I had to open up these books. So I, mine specifically was I. I... I bought all those uh, Solson publications. The Ninja Turtles teach you martial arts in a comic book, and it's really embarrassing <laughs> miniseries. That's the one that's notorious because they spelled Raphael wrong on the cover. They spelled it with an F instead of PH. Wow. Oh, that's that's good. Yeah, that this is gold. Six. So, like, right before uh, Eastman and Laird, you know, struck their deal with uh, Playmates Toys and Fred Wolf for the cartoon and everything. So, like, this is the the best licensing that, I guess, Eastman and Laird could do in 86, like this and, and I guess, the Palladium RPG. 
So they, they had these things going on with uh, Gary Brodsky's company, Solson. And I'm just like, man, what the heck are these? <laughs> yeah. I have to, get, uh, I have to get, get Curtis to look at those if they're teaching karate, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah, he's the kung fu master. No, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So, Tim, I don't know if you have a plan, but I wanted to tell the story of actually how uh, Mark and I met. Perfect. It's, all right, yeah, cool. I, the idea for this this show is going to be a little uh, more loosey goosey. If you get into craft, so be it. But probably just talking about uh, as creators, what Roland joined recently, since that's kind of what we gravitated towards in our email. Yeah, yeah. Now, Roland, uh, this is a family show, so <laughs> don't don't well, don't don't be going dark or you well, know. There, there's there's no darkness. Um, actually, talking about craft, uh, Mark is definitely one you should hit up because I know he did part. You participated in in a. Uh, a writer's thread of, of videos. I forget who was doing those, um, but you put my name in for uh, for editor, and I showed it uh, up on one of the last uh, last streams they they did. I, I feel oh, yeah. bad now that I can't remember it. That's okay because I can't remember either. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So so I, so I met Mark, and I don't remember exactly the year, but probably sixteen or seventeen, maybe something like that. I think it was that. Maybe? It was no, it wasn't Conway. It was um, it was a little shoot. Uh, Paragould. Oh. Yeah, Paragould. That's was, right. Yeah, so, yeah. so my my family lives in northeast Arkansas in a little town called Pigot, Arkansas. Population about three thousand, right? And one July, I, I tend to go visit my family on on July fourth, and I just happened to notice that that Paragould was having a comic convention. I'm like, oh my gosh, what are the chances? This town is about 30 minutes from from where my parents live. I said, so what are the chances that there's a comic con there at the same time I'm going to be visiting my 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 family? And so I reached out to them and said, hey, you know, my family's in the area. I'm going to be there anyway. You know, are you looking for for any additional guests? And immediately I got an invite and uh, so made my plans to go to Paragould. Well, um, somebody else was there. Who? So, uh, as you guys was Mitch Faust. <clears throat> you remember Mitch Faust? Mitch Faust. I think he might have been. Man, yeah, so I, we do like we do ten like shows a year. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's okay. So I think Mitch Faust was there. So Mitch was the only one that I knew going into the show. So M- Mitch Faust is a an awesome painter from. Um, from the Memphis area. For those of you who who backed our stuff before, I don't know if I have a, I have one handy. He's the guy who did our our gorgeous mouse on uh, our our mouse trading card. And I don't. Oh yes, I do. Here we have one. He's the guy who did this. So very nice. So, yeah. Uh, so, I, so, so so that's Mitch Faust. So so I've known Mitch for for a, a bunch of years. So in his Paragould, Arkansas, it wasn't very big. You guys were sitting right beside Paragle, uh, right beside Paragle, right beside Mitch. So I would go down there and wander next to Mitch and talk. And I kept kind of eyeing you guys over there. You're like, I don't know who these guys are, right? Then you, I don't remember what you were doing at the time, but Tim was with you and, you, and it was very, you know, manga looking. And I know this is one of the things you guys are going to talk about. But I don't know much about manga, but I saw you guys sitting there. So I stepped over, introduced myself, and we chatted a little bit. And, and uh, the, the show went on. And then what happened is we all went out to dinner and commenced to talking. 
And me and Tim and Mark realized that we had so many things in common. A lot of the things that we, we talked about that night were like, you, you, me too, you, me too. And so we, we got, uh, I thought anyway, Mark, Mark hopefully won't disagree. I thought we got along swimmingly. And you had um, me at Malibu comics. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. We talked a lot of Malibu comics and, and, uh, all kind of stuff, but we just, we just, we had, uh, I don't even remember to be honest with you. I hope they're not listening. I don't remember the show that well, but I absolutely remember the dinner that we had. And, um, that <laughs> I remember that, leaving the show with you. And the first thing we saw when we left was a pasture full of cows. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's that kind of show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Welcome to Arkansas, right? Welcome to conventions in Arkansas. So yeah, so that's kind of uh, that's kind of how we met, and then I've just been friends with he and Tim since then, and kind of watched as they've uh, wandered in and out of uh, you know one controversy and get out of the controversy, and and they just meanwhile they just keep plugging away and making comics and and doing an awesome job at it. Ah, thanks. That 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 means a lot because we were reading like your books. Uh back in the day and like when we met you were like oh man you did the street fighter comic back in the 90s like oh that's awesome so, uh, no it means a lot hearing that man thanks yeah yeah you got you guys are rocking it and it, it uh it excites me to see you guys doing it cool man thank you yeah absolutely so that's my story tim perfect <laughs> and for those of you watching different tip <laughs> <laughs> okay. and i'm going to leave and watch you guys what? <laughs> hey, uh, thanks, man. Hi, Bob. That's See you, hey, Yeah, that's a great sign. Roland's like, here's a story of how I met Mark. And because I know Mark, I'm getting out of here. See yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. leaving now. Uh, you know, he's just worried we'll end up uh, going even further off the rails. My uh, first memory of meeting Roland is actually, I was going through his class, and we were talking about his credits, uh, and, like why he's qualified to teach this class, essentially. And then he mentioned, like, hey, you worked on mech warrior battletech series and then i being a diehard mecha fan and super into mech warrior immediately took the class off the rails for the remainder of uh, our first our first meeting <laughs> that is not surprising <laughs> yes uh i mean mech warrior is so good uh we talked in the emails before you're getting into some some deep deep cuts as far as old comics are going but also some manga as well but uh what else have you been enjoying so like as for what i've been reading lately like I've been, I don't read a lot of new stuff, honestly. Um, so Michael Tierney, uh, he owned the comic shop here in Little Rock. Um, he retired and closed down. Now he's a city councilman. Um, he still does some mail-order comics, but um, I haven't been reading much like hot off the presses stuff. So instead, I'm catching up on the classics. I finally got around to reading that adaptation of Dracula that uh, Dick Giordano and Roy Thomas started in the 70s uh, for like the Dracula Lives magazine. And then that got canceled, and then they didn't finish it until like 2005, where they just like got brought back to do the final uh, half of the adaptation. And I I read that one recently, and it was it was really good. You know, obviously I've read the book uh, Dracula, and I've seen like sure. all 10,000 movie adaptations, but uh, Thomas <laughs> right. did an amazing job um, adapting all the all the meat of the story. Most of the stuff the movies cut out, he he yeah. got that stuff straight from the book, and he put it right. Even like the really esoteric stuff that's uh, almost ir like irrelevant, he put that in there. And Giordano's art was uh, superb. I think it's one of the—I'm not going to say it's one of the last things he worked on before he passed away, but I think it was—it was pretty close. But 
there's no going from the 70s stuff to the 2000s stuff there's no like hard change in his art style where it's like you can tell exactly where it went off the rails from 70s to 2000s he's just a really consistent artist across his career uh so that okay. was that was a really good adaptation then i'm gonna get started on my reread through uh tomb of dracula because i finally picked up all those collections so that's uh that's kind of what i'm slogging through right now okay um so here's here's a question. Here's a bit here's a bit of the, the hot of a hot debate, much like the uh, hot dog sandwich debacle of last year. Here's something that's come up in my uh, writerly circles. I've noticed for us, Dracula classicists versus Dracula modernists. Uh, as we know, all know, and and Bram Stoker's original writings in his text, Dracula is described as having a mustache. Yes. Do yeah. you prefer that, or do you prefer the uh, clean-shaven, almost hairless Dracula? Ah, man. The he also had hairy palms, which yes. is a, you know one of those weird details <laughs> from the from the book that never makes it into anything. I I like him with the mustache, but whenever I see the mustache, I immediately think of the Tomb of Dracula version because that's the mm. iconic mustache one. Yeah, but. Yeah. I did get around to seeing um, the Jack Palance version that Dan Curtis directed in the seventies, which is as far as adaptations go, it's kind of weird and and out there. But I also saw the, the other count Dracula with Christopher Lee. That's not part of the hammer series where he does have like the, the full mustache. And I almost think he looks better as count Dracula in that one movie with he's when he's got the full face facial hair thing going on. Um, But you know, I, I I hate to be a normie, but when I think of Dracula, obviously I think of Bela Lugosi like everybody sure. else does in the world. I can't help yeah. it. So that's, yep. that's the iconic Dracula. Yeah, it seems I'm like sure. it getting away. Yeah, right, when he's sucking blood, he never had right. like, a, a blood mustache going on. Like, on his hey, hey, there. you got something in your stash there. It looks like a little hemoglobin, <laughs> little blood. <laughs> Yeah. I imagine, uh, I imagine though, like after so much like skin on skin contact, you're probably, it's probably going to like get nice and raw. But the mustache acts like a nice padding. That, yeah, like, you're, you're <laughs> not rubbing raw. Yeah. <laughs> now right. the uh, the Bram Stoker like authentic text Dracula is kind of <laughs> all over the place. You know, sometimes <clears throat> he can go out in the sunlight, and sometimes mm-hmm. the sunlight kills him. You know, it's, it's yep. the rules change throughout the story. Exactly. But it, it's also I can't recall what that type of story is called, but it's basically like the found footage of literature where it's assembled through a bunch of, you know, newspaper clippings and phonograph transcriptions and journal entries. And they, they all coalesce to form a narrative. So yeah, you do maybe have like the unreliable narrator aspect in there, but still, you know, they, they make it a point to to say that he's sitting there watching the sunset and then he dies at the end of the book because he got stabbed with the heart while the sun was, was setting. And he's like, Oh no, the sun, I turned into dust. It's like, all right, I'm, I think I found a plot hole, but okay. Yeah, oopsies. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I believe like the the overall term for that genre is epistolary, but uh, mm. which is overall means a, a collection of letters. But I believe there's like a subgenre which is like news clippings specifically. But I, I that actually is uh, kind of a fun thing you brought up there, which uh, Jose, uh, I'm, I'm sure uh, my fellow vampire of the masquerade and white wolf nerd can make me up. They <laughs> they later got refined thanks to the guys at White Wolf, but the idea of a vampire being in torpor. Uh, which is what it caused him to have to rest in the coffin for so long that uh, the sun by itself is dangerous, but not the worst. But when you're put into a state of torpor, it is immediately fatal. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so what else okay. have you been uh, into recently? 
As far as uh, so as far as manga goes, uh, Tim uh, Tim Lim, not not you, Tim. Sorry, uh, he got me hooked <laughs> on uh, Spy X Family, which is the manga that finally outsold One Piece. Which is uh, okay. for people who read manga know that's a big deal because for like fifteen years, One Piece has been the number one selling manga in Japan, and so it's for still a- going. Yeah, it's never going to end. That, that guy's taking that to the grave with him. But Spy Family, uh, Tim got me to read it. He he uh, he just bought me the first volume and gave it to me, and I just and I read it uh, on the toilet. <laughs> and I was like, "Hey, this is really good." So I immediately <laughs> bought like the other five volumes, and it's I'm I'm as a as a writer, I'm so jealous of the the kind of freedom that uh, manga authors have. Mm-hmm. which you know it's the virtue of the way manga is published you know in those uh bi-weekly uh phone book size shonen jump kind of things oh, yeah. where it's like yeah they'll they'll do a chapter that you know moves the plot along but then if they just want to do a chapter about them all going to the public pool and swimming they'll just do one of those it's yep. like, yeah we're just going to do a, an, an issue like yeah. hey this this one's going to yeah. be about them going grocery shopping Let, let's just do that this week you know, they, they kind of just like they can do whatever they want. Um, you know, I tried to because we, we do Common America, which um, is inspired by a lot of manga, anime and tokusatsu and stuff. And so Tim and I kind of pool our our knowledge of those various genres. Like Tim doesn't watch Godzilla movies or Super Sentai or Common Rider or things like that. But I watch all that stuff so I can bring that knowledge to it. But he also watches a bunch of anime that I wouldn't touch with a 10 foot pole. And he brings that knowledge <laughs> to it, but he, he tries to, he wants me to watch certain things that um, he wants applied to the scripts. And he's, he got me to watch some slice of life stuff that okay. I normally would never watch. And I've kind of enjoyed a lot of them. Like I just finished up uh, K-On, which is just about mm-hmm. a bunch of girls um, at in a high school who decide to start a band. And half yeah. the episodes aren't even about them playing in the band. Most of the episodes are just about, uh, one's about them going grocery shopping. One's about them having a cold. It's just like whatever you know, weird stuff. You think it would be boring, but it's it's a character driven narrative. It's like a even action shows do that sometimes. Like Cowboy Bebop, everybody's watched mm-hmm. that one, knows that one. There's maybe four episodes of plot relevant uh, stories in Cowboy Bebop, and the other mm-hmm. like 22 episodes are just these one shot adventures. There's one where they never yeah. even leave their ship; they just kind of like hang out in the ship and don't do anything all day. And it's like they can they can just take a break episode, you know. Whereas mm-hmm. you know, I, I just finished plotting Common America Six, and uh, I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna do a little bit of rewriting in Act Two because it's just so plot dense that I need to put breathers in there, but I feel like I can't. And then, you know, I go and I, I read or I watch K on and they have an episode where the characters just, you know, sit around the living room eating cookies. And I'm like, God, I, I wish <laughs> I, I, could, I could just like relax and, and do just an easy going chapter like that. <laughs> uh, that's, that's the question though, Roland. Is that the, the new Bebop or classic Bebop? Uh, classic. I don't know anybody yeah. who watched the the live action yeah. Bebop. Well, Ron, Ron, yeah, Ron said they couldn't make it their episode one of Bebop. So I, I, if you if you tried jumping straight in with the the live action, or if you tried going through the classic first, oh. I, I know it's definitely a vibe. But uh, I I know some people who who do like live action. And I get the appeal of it, but I, I, it just feels off to me in certain, in certain ways. I mean, it's like that, yeah. With almost anything, if it can't, you know, you're taking something from comics or animation, something that was made for a specific medium, and you're trying to translate it into 
a very different medium. Sometimes it works. 99% of the time it doesn't. You usually end up with Super Mario Brothers, the movie or something like that. But uh, I mean, occasionally, you know, it's, it's, but there, then, there have been winners, but, but then with Super, winners. but then the thing about Super Mario Brothers, there's the movie though, is you end up, that leads to its own kind of genre watching where, uh, you end up going to your local nerd bar and the entire night is watching Street Fighter, uh, Mortal Kombat 2, Super Mario Brothers, and everyone is just getting poured tremendous amounts of alcohol. You, you get you get a beautiful mess sometimes. I will say that. I do. I mean, Super Mario Brothers, the movie, I was talking to, uh, I think I was talking to Tim about it the other day, but it's one of those things where as someone on Twitter said it, like, you know, if they had just titled that Fabio and Fabrizio's Adventures in Dinosaur <laughs> City. It would it would have been yep. you know a, a beloved children's classic, but instead it's just known as that weird Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> right. uh, Jose, it looked like you had uh, something to say there. You have nerd bars. Oh yeah, yeah. It depends <laughs> on where you're at. Wrong host. <laughs> well, we, so we have a ton over here because obviously you know everyone has keep Portland weird t- tattooed across their collarbone. But <laughs> if you're in the Orlando area. There is a place called A Comic Shop, uh, much like our show name, that is across the street from Full Sail. The front half is your normal hole-in-the-wall comic shop. The back half is a restaurant and bar that will have regular movie viewings, or like uh, they also do like wrestling and UFC events there. So getting together with a bunch of nerds to watch wrestling or like this <laughs> Dragon Ball Z movie or whatever, that was... It's an experience. Over here, we have plenty of barcades that'll kind of serve similar functions. So, we went, you know. So what I'm hearing oh, yeah, is a, we're a making a reservation in, in September. Is that, is that what I'm hearing? That's what I'm hearing, yeah. <laughs> All yeah. right. Yeah. Or if you ever make it up for uh, Rose City, I'll take you to Ground Control, The Mox, and uh, Coin Jam. <laughs> the Mox. Oh, wow. wow. The Mox is, is a wild trip. Uh, so for those of you who remember from earlier discussions... Uh, in the show, we have plenty of wargaming fans and on stream and stuff. There's a store called the Mox that is a tabletop shop at the front, and then a full night like beyond full service restaurant. This is a like full service dinner experience. So multi course meals, uh, fine liquor, <laughs> and six by four tables that you can get a, a mat on so you can eat while you play Age of Sigmar or 40K. that's cool. We have a place similar to that called Fat Cats Gaming. Okay, and they're they're they have a whole bar, kitchen, everything. It's awesome. Yeah, Double Dragon is really good. <laughs> Double Dragon. I mean, that, that, that is its own genre. You know, the so bad it's good <laughs> yes. kind of genre. I mean, the, those movies, I, I can watch them and enjoy them. Like the Street Fighter one, especially. Oh, or like the Masters of the Universe movie, you know, like as bad as an adaptation of He Man that is, it's got Frank Langella as mm-hmm. a Skeletor, and he just he just eats yep. that scenery and, and makes oh, yeah. that movie. Or Raul Julia as M Bison yes. in the Street Fighter movie, so oh, good, God, <laughs> so good. And of course, uh, that that genre also started off uh, the DC EU with Shaquille O'Neal's Steel. <laughs> yes. Steel. Yep. <laughs> Somehow I, that movie title makes it into about half our shows. Somehow, I, I don't know. <laughs> you got to mention steel once per episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. Right. Yeah. Uh, he owes us money. Yeah, exactly. Well, we're, we're, we're campaigning to make that campaign. We're making people aware of this film. Yeah. Man, wasn't like it my... weird in the nineties? Like 
the comic books they chose to make movies out of, you know, before mm-hmm. they did like the heavy hitters like Spider-Man and Green Lantern or whatever, like they yeah. were doing the mask and yeah. mystery men and the mm-hmm. crow. And, yeah. You know, it wasn't like for lack steel. of trying though. I remember for years, I can't remember which magazine it was that I kept up with. <laughs> For years, they tried to do Spider-Man, and they just could never pull it off. They could never, you know, and I'd always have my hopes up, you know, because they would have articles on it, and it just Mm. never would materialize, you know, until like 2000 once, you know. know. Uh, Up until Sam Raimi, the best Spider-Man movies were coming out of Bollywood. (laughs) Jeez. I remember the the 1970s one that they used to play on the Sci-Fi Channel. When oh I was a yeah, kid yeah. In the yep. 90s, and they it was just like three episodes of the TV series tacked together, but they pretended it was a movie. And I was like, oh, yeah. oh this is the the best it's gonna get, so I'll take it." Yeah, yep. and every now and then he'd pop in on Sesame Street. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I think it was Electric <laughs> Company or something. And yeah, yeah. Electric Company. Yeah. yeah, and like we we just kind of. We scraped what we could off the kitchen floor and enjoyed our live action superheroes that way back then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, I mean, it happens in the old forms of publishing, but with comics, it seems to be especially uh, opaque when you get to like these these books that just seem to exist in a void or in a vortex where it's like, I found this somewhere, but as far as I know, it doesn't actually exist. It's in some liminary space that I can't really <laughs> grasp. It, it's so weird, especially with Ninja Turtles, because, I mean, most people who know me online anyway, they know that I'm a Ninja Turtles guy, and I've got, like, whole collections of that stuff, and I've written sure. all these articles on them. But Turtles, you'd think more of it would be better, I don't know, archived, uh, because yeah. it's Ninja Turtles, yeah. and that's a huge global thing. But there's, like, there was so much of it, and Eastman and Laird were just licensing it left and right, especially once it exploded with the cartoon and toys. Like, uh, a guy in Russia... Uh, that I know, named Arseny Dubikov, who has the license to publish Turtle comics in Russia, like he um, does Russian editions of the IDW books and stuff. He discovered that there was an entire ongoing Ninja Turtles comic in Italy in the 90s that no one had ever heard of. And it was officially licensed, and Eastman and Laird and Mirage had no record of it. They didn't even know that they were doing it. I guess they were just getting a check from Italy, and they were just cashing it and not really caring. And so (laughs) he tracked all these comics down, and he's doing translated uh, editions of it in English and Russian over there. But there's just – there are – Editions in Korea and Mexico and Japan that were all licensed and just trying to track these things down. And even here in the U.S., we find like there are these weird martial arts training manuals that came out in 1986 from a short-lived publisher that's most famous book is Reagan's Raiders. (laughs) And like no one knows like what the heck was up with this publisher? Where did these books come from? The only quote I could find about it um, directly from Kevin Eastman was in an interview he did for the Comics Journal in like the late 90s. And all he says about him is that a lot of people got screwed over on those books and he doesn't elaborate. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's a common thing. Some people talk about the comics in the 90s. Uh, we got a uh, question for you. Uh, Everett Todd wants to know any chance of a Matt Bolden uh, punchline crossover? Uh, I don't want to uh, say yes or no on anything in particular, but please check it's... out Black Ops Common America Soul Finder, the big crossover that's going to be coming out this summer. I think you'll be happy, is, is all I'll, I'll, I'll say out there. Um, but yes, uh, please check that out. I think um, you'll be very pleasantly surprised. Uh, neither confirmed nor denied, uh, appropriately <laughs> redacted. <All right. laughs> Let's go with that. <laughs> 
Right, yeah. <laughs> are you much of a gamer as some of us are here or uh, have you been playing anything or? Uh... Uh, no, no, I haven't. <laughs> uh, gaming was like uh, video game consoles. I had to give those up uh, mm. a few years back. I would like to get a Switch because I want to play like Breath of the Wild and, oh, yeah. uh, and, and stuff like that. But yeah, one hobby had to give, so it ended up being video games. Yeah, I had to come to that too. I had to cut a lot of mine out just because I can, you know, I just came to the decision I can either produce content or I can consume content. Mm -hmm. And it was just getting to where I was consuming way too much. So kind of, I have a balance going right now. So uh, you have to be careful. And that's why I got into streaming. So half of my creating content is consuming content. So I I found a way (laughs) to get paid to play games. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. Right. Uh, it's just beating the system, Tim. That's exactly. all that is. Exactly. It's got to game the system. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. Uh, so we're going to pass it around the circle now, then, if we're caught up with uh, your, your life there, Mark, for what you've been yep. consuming uh, media-wise. I'll go over to uh, Quentin. What have you been uh, reading, watching, uh, playing, what have you? I need to come up with a good acronym for that. Well, I haven't been able to do hardly any art like the last two and a half weeks because uh, I've been really, really uh, dealing with some medical issues. But uh, I haven't been able to hardly sit at my desk only to do my daily work. And after that, uh, so I did game some just because it would take me out of, you know, when you're sitting there drawing, you know, you're, everything's quiet and you're focused and you're postured, you mm-hmm. know, and I just could not do that. And uh, so anyway, so I've been playing some Daisy, played some uh, games with the kids. Uh, I've been watching today. I watched talking about going back to older movies uh today i watched big trouble in little china oh, yeah, 1986 yeah. man that movie was so i remembered that movie being so much better <laughs> than what it was <laughs> oh my goodness it was but it was hilarious all the way through it though because it was such a tongue-in-cheek movie to begin with you know it didn't really bother me you know uh, but even the serious parts were, oh my goodness, this is so 80s. This whole it's, movie yeah. is so 80s. Heck yeah. Yes. It's uh, so bizarre. Like the guy who just yeah. explodes at the end, he like holds his breath <laughs> yeah, and his eyes bug out and he blows up. <laughs> yeah, and there's like stuff that happens all the way throughout the whole entire movie. And you're just thinking, you know, why did that just happen? You why know, is there a wh- Yeti? It just shows up. Exactly. Where did the <laughs> Yeti come from? You know, I mean... <laughs> There's just so much stuff that just, you know, just like, I mean, it was like a parody of a movie, but it was a real movie, you know? Oh, yeah. But anyway, yeah, anyway, so I watched that today and it was just hilarious. But uh, I, I watched, uh, I gave Halo a try. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, I was, I was totally down with it till they took his helmet. Oh, well, better not say anything well, i think that's but... i don't get that spoiler because that was in like their marketing material they that's kind of like yeah. i think i think they intentionally put that in the front of marketing so that people know that it's not the same canon not to as watch the game. this yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like they hey, learned this we're gonna take his helmet off for the first episode yeah right it's uh, like, didn't I mean, they learn anything from the, right. the two Judge Dredd movies? There's the good right. one and the bad one. The bad Dude, one is I've, the one where he takes his helmet off. The good I one have is the one where said he it on. so many times. And these guys, you know, they have, you know, many of them have more education than I do. And they just don't seem to get it. 
uh, Snake Eyes and G.I. Joe. It took us nearly four years to get to see what he looked like. You know, that was one of the mistakes about the character. You know, Darth Vader, we had to wait to the last Return of the Jedi. I say the last film. uh, (laughs) But anyway, uh, that's debatable. But anyway, uh, you know, you know, I mean, you could go down the line here. You know, uh, Storm Shadow, we never really got to see, you know, him. Uh, But anyway... I'm just saying, whenever you kill that mistake, it's over. It's done. You know? I mean, there's no getting it back. And in the first episode, the first episode, after all these years, you know, people wondering, since 2000, 2001, whatever it was, Combat Evolved came out. I can't remember. They take his helmet off. And it would. It, I was so with it until then, you know? Yeah. I did end up watching the next episode, but I think I'm probably done. I mean, I, it's I, a good, it's a, it's a decent show, but you know, that just kind of, <laughs> that was too much for me. But anyway, other than that, I haven't really, uh, I, I finished the piece, uh, some commissions that I, uh, now that I've gotten a little better, I've finished some commissions and I'm fixing to start reading the script for the new night rise. That's what I'm yes. fixing to do. I, I'm I'm kind of on the uh, opposite end of of the Halo spectrum from you. Uh, uh, I find myself like with my fellow Twitcher GB, where uh, after since Halo uh, three, uh, Halo four through six have kind of existed in this weird limbo space. If and it's good, if if and I like the story, um, but uh, was Halo much like Star Wars for me has existed in books outside of that for like the actual canonical story. So yeah. I've already had a mental image of what Chief's faces look like because there's, um, the, I mean, there's, uh, uh, Kevin, <laughs> but there's no like in uh, in canon lore for why he should take the, or he leaves the mask on, would leave the helmet on all the right. time because he he eats chow, he pees. Uh, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and I get that, and I get that, and Snake Eyes did too. Yeah, for the Snake Eyes did too. Yeah, yeah. But I do you know, think it was a little too early. I, I get what they're because they're, they're trying I, to. You know, I would not have minded had they have waited. They drew, and, you know, that could out. have been a good. That could have been a solid season finale. You know, that could uh, have been a. They did like, that though in the Mandalorian, though, didn't yeah, they? Like yep, season yep, one yep, ended with did. him taking his helmet off. We all got to see uh, Pascal's face. Or what, what's his name? Pedro Pascal. Yeah, that, yeah, 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 Pedro Pascal. Yeah. But Definitely. then, you know, a lot of it is on the actors. Like, Pedro Pascal was very publicly complaining that he doesn't get to take his helmet off enough in The Mandalorian, so they had yeah. to help with, like, excuses for Man, him to take it he off. he read the script. Yeah. yeah. He, re- he went to it reading the script. He knew. Yeah, I, I mean, for- come on. You're getting paid, dude. You're getting paid yeah. a lot of money, so just... Right? <laughs> yeah. I forgot, I forgot the name of the guy who plays Chief. I know he was just saying, he's like, I'm just here to play a character. He's, very, yeah. he's, he's the most method actor I've ever seen anyone talk about a video game adaptation. Uh, but uh, I, I I don't know if I would like that as like a season ender, but maybe it's like a mid season like character change, right? Like where like okay, where because like every story is a character learning the lesson and then acting upon a said lesson to execute action to solve problem. So like if he says like a visual metaphor, like uh, Chief has evolved and grown in some way, he has learned X and now can defeat bad guy Y. Uh, <laughs> to actually have that moment where he takes off the, the helmet and he's like, okay, it's time to get serious. I would think I would have liked that idea rather than in the first minute. Well, I kind of have it. I'll fight uh, you on that one, sir. I, <laughs> I, have a, I have a little bit of a theory on the mask thing, and I don't know if it's right. I just know that it kind of works for me. But mm-hmm. once you, if, if you do that, 
if you make the mask or helmet a thing, meaning that you don't ever show the face, you kind of get yourself in a situation where you kind of can't show it. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I say that is because like the mask becomes that character's face. Yeah. So when you take it off, you know, you get people used to it. You get them primed by it, you know, Boba Fett, uh, you know. But so when you do reveal, then, you know, for one, a lot of people are going to be disappointed no matter, you know, what he looks like or what the person looks like. Uh, but then they ha- it's almost like you're starting over now with the characters because now you've got this huge load of information about him now that you've seen his face, you know, his true face under the thing. So you have to Mm reevaluate. And so, yeah, I think that's kind of like what, uh, like GB had said is that he would have preferred it if the first unmasking on screen happened in the game. Yeah. Because for gamers who've been playing this since Absolutely. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Totally. I thought we were going to get that with Guardians. Like, when uh, right. when they had him like running around and the other uh, was it the ODST uh, people were coming after him and whatnot. Uh-huh. Like I, at the end, he he walks like amongst all the soldiers and whatnot, hops onto the machine because uh, right. like as far as I understand from the books, his his armor like it's kind of grafted to him. Like there's there's yeah. like nodes on him. Yeah, where, they, like, uh, armor connects to augment his. his yeah, uh, his at the last bit, uh, the last bit of the augmentation. Once they hit the age of. 17 i want to say is when they have yeah. the mjolnir system integrated into their central nervous system right. so that's when, yeah mm. and and ever they don't just kidnap children to make super soldiers they then make flash cones of those children to replace them in their families that then die horrible right. deaths within five years <laughs> dramatically scarring hundreds of families right man yeah it's they're it, the books are awesome yeah. <laughs> i'm yes, just gonna go are. with that the books are awesome but uh but yeah like, i thought we we're gonna get that like, when he puts his hands in that machine like he gets ready to pull something he starts to pull his helmet off and then the face is black i'm like really dude mm-hmm. i really? like what jeff potts says next season <laughs> master chief will dye his hair pink grow it out shave one side of his head oh, declare he's not as he's not gender binary non-binary yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, like, uh, i thought that haircut was gonna go away i thought we'd yeah. finally over that and no he keep it just won't go. <laughs> Normally, I maintain that bit of an undercut, but I'm I'm growing it out because I'm trying to get that uh that that solid, heavily tattooed man bun look. <laughs> Am I well, your I banker? Mean, Am I Viking? Who knows? <laughs> you you made a good point though about expectations though. When you keep the face hidden for so long, you know, like is anything ever? Everyone ends up with their own idea, their own head yeah. canon of what that face is going to yeah. look like. I think the best example is like Cobra Commander because mm. they revealed his face yeah. in the cartoon and the Marvel oh, yeah. comic. And they yeah. were both totally different ends of the spectrum. The yeah. cartoon, yes. he's like, he's actually a snake. That's stupid. Mm-hmm. And then the the comic, they showed his face almost by accident. It was like the the issue where yeah. they explained how he came back from the dead, and they show his body like you know on mm-hmm. the operating table, and they accidentally just showed his face, and he's just a normal looking dude with orange hair. And I was like, oh, so he's just a normal looking dude. I mean, that makes sense, but and that's well, I, I do well. like the way they did Snake Eyes because they did kind of prime you a little that. He had taken some hits, you know, mm-hmm. that he had he had suffered some mm-hmm. in Vietnam. So it was not going to be pretty. So by the time you saw it, then, you know, then you, by the time they did, you were just wondering, now, how bad does this guy's face look? You know, and then you see it and it's like, whoa, that guy's really jacked up. You know, it's like Jonah Hex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah, his, well, yeah. Was in the comic, he went to go have, I believe there's a, a storyline where he went to go have like those 
check or check to see if he have surgery on himself. You know what I mean? Uh, he was with Scarlet, and like that. And during that storyline, he actually had like mask off. He wore regular clothes and whatnot. But they did like in regards to like the art, they did like heavily like uh, like shadows or like um, or uh, half tones on his face. Like every time he came to look around for somewhere, it was pretty cool. Have y'all ever heard the theory about him that Chuckles, the character Chuckles, yes. was I Snake that, Eyes? I just heard that. One of my friends and I were talking about it. That is so nuts because no, I went I back and looked. Well, supposedly, what the propagators of this theory say is, is that Chuckles was Snake Eyes because it, he never speaks. And yeah. he is always like gone whenever Snake Eyes is present. <laughs> he doesn't. And he's always doing these top secret ops. So and there's some validity the comics, to it. And he's blonde. wearing blue eyes. And like he, yes. Eyes. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so I, like I thought that. that was really, really interesting. And if you go back and look into it, he absolutely has no lines I in guess. anything. Uh, in regards to the action figures, the whatever season of action figures that Chuckles came out, they didn't make a or Snake Eyes uh, action yeah. figure. Well, yeah, that, that was the year that GI Joe the movie came out. So they did like the Rawhides, where they did like Jinx and, and Chuckles yep. and uh, um, Tunnel Rat. But yeah, that that's an awesome theory, and I know that um, Tim Tim Lim would love that because Chuckles is one of his favorite characters because Chuckles yeah, is the of, only GI Joe. Mine as well. Yeah, but it, but Tim liked him as a kid, and he told me it's because Chuckles was the only GI Joe from Little Rock, Arkansas, which is where Tim is from. Nice. <laughs> you know, I hear that a lot. From, <laughs> I, I hear that a lot from Joe lovers. Is uh, usually people have a tie to characters because of the file cards, which is mm-hmm. not hardly present anymore in any of the new Badly. ones. Yeah. Uh, is because they're from their area or because they have some occupation or something, you know, uh, that's like the person that, you know, likes the character. Absolutely. They should really bring that back. Yeah. My favorite, like my top favorite GI Joe is, is a tunnel rat, like hands down. (laughs) Tunnel rats. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And he was, um, uh, Larry Hama's like, he was designed to look like Larry Hama, wasn't he? And, and yeah. it wasn't that Larry Hama's <laughs> role when he was actually in Vietnam, wasn't he a tunnel rat? So it was like the character was based off of him, his backstory. Oh, I'm not even sure about it. I didn't even know that. That's all. That makes it even more awesome. <laughs> Mine is uh, Short Fuse, and that's because that is the first G.I. Joe that I got. He was one of the original 13. I uh, got him in 1982. Uh, a little uh, short fuse. Uh, a lot of people, I mean, he, he's barely showed up in anything. Uh, a lot of people don't even probably know what he who he is. But that original 13, I don't know if any of you guys were around during that time. I think, Jose, you were. Mark, I'm not sure how old you are, and I won't That was a couple of years before I was born. So my area, G.I. Joe, was the the hot pink neon oh G.I. yeah the early 90s psychedelic <laughs> wow. yeah, yeah. it's, it's uh, the best color palette if, if i can get my yeah uh, yeah my stormcast there yeah. <laughs> well uh well the original 13 they all pretty much were all the same body body mold most of them and they just kind of changed the color hair and there were some things that were different but the original 13 mostly looked the same and the only uh, female was Scarlet, and she came out later. Uh, but anyway, 
Uh, he was the first one I got. That's why he's my favorite Joe. But I'd have to I'd have to go with, although I was torn. I, I just I hated the way the cartoon did Cobra Commander. I always liked Cobra Commander until I saw the cartoon, and then I was like, my goodness. Retreat, <laughs> retreat! All the time, yeah, I was Cobra like, Commander no, was cool no, in the no. comic. Yeah, no, not Cobra Commander. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I like the I like the Cobras better than the Joes. Uh, I yes, just definitely. Those characters they they had a lot of personality and a lot of really cool gimmicks. But if I had yeah. to choose my my favorite Joe, it was Low Light because I liked him because he was yeah, like nice. the spooky he was character. You know, and anybody who's like that, I, I immediately as a kid would gravitate to anybody who was like the spooky character. Like my favorite yep. Turtles character was Casey Jones because he had a hockey oh. mask like Jason Voorhees. So that was immediately, you know, like zoomed in on that. You seem like a Casey Jones type of guy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> now uh-huh. we can talk about our favorite Turtles now. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, have, have you been uh, able to uh, watch anything at all while there is time, or have you just kind of bounced uh, between what you've already kind of mentioned and working? I literally have just been working. We have had uh, I work in the printing business, and it's playoff season. Oh, and yeah. We're a national company, so when playoff season comes around, a lot of stuff gets shoved to the side. Uh, it, yeah, it. I have tried to do art. I've tried to, but I, I just have not been able to. I was lucky to get done when I what I got done. So yeah. uh, I've played. I, I, I when I, and I have kids. So yeah, pretty much that takes a huge chunk. Jose knows what I'm talking about. He's got like 15 or 16. What? Eighty-seven. So uh, that takes up a lot of time. But any any moment that I've had, I've played Daisy Epoch. Oh yeah, uh, it's uh, off the Arma Two. It's a mod on yeah. Arma Two, the old two thousand nine game. Uh, I would have played something else, but I have consoles over here. But yeah, I just haven't played them in a while. Sure, that's fair. All right, Jose, what have you been watching, reading, playing, listening to, um, ingesting? I haven't really been watching anything like significant. Um, I do. <laughs> From time to time, like I'll get like a hankering, like oh, I'm gonna watch cold the old cold case show. Okay. So, like because I like the fact that it flashbacks to different eras. I like the idea yeah, yeah. of like of like people acting out different eras and how they thought it was back then and whatnot. Um, that and um, I've been reading slowly, like every now and again, read going through the uh, the Ghost from Dark Horse comics. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Ghost Omnibus books. Like those are pretty cool. And then uh, other than that, just just working like uh, uh Aaron had me messed up with this like splash page uh city okay. scene. Perfect. <laughs> that slowed me up a little bit on pages. <laughs> you, you're not taking any of the the lessons from uh when I when I taught you uh inking uh last week on <laughs> I did. You yeah. guys should have been there. It was fantastic. <laughs> Go back and watch the show. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Uh <laughs> actual inker teaches a writer how to Kind of, sort of, ink. <laughs> yeah, that's a good time. Uh, so, so no arc this week then. <laughs> uh, not uh, yeah, but not really. Okay. I, I I died last night. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> uh, I don't like that. If it's a game that I've been playing, and arc is like the game where like you keep expanding and expanding, like building yeah. your base and building your your tamed animals and stuff like that. And 
you get to a point where you're like, oh, my animals are tough. I can take out anything. And I did a boss fight and I died. I was the first person in the group to die at the boss fight, which I feel like. I, I love it when that happens. Cool oh. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, man. And then the people I was playing with, my group of people, they're like, where'd you go? I was like, I think I died. Like, all of a yeah. sudden, my screen were white. Like, what the heck? And they're like, Somebody needs to take over the animals, and nobody wants <laughs> to take over the animals to like direct them. I'm like, man. Oh, I did yeah, forget like, I one. Don't... I did forget one thing. I almost went saw Morbius because uh, I've been excited about that movie for so long. But Mighty at, Morbin time. At the last minute, we decided to go watch Batman, and I'm a little uh, behind the curve. But I loved Batman. Oh yeah, I did. I liked it. I am. I am of various minds. As a whole, I enjoyed the movie. I yeah. think it was a very exactly. entertaining movie. Exactly. But there are aspects of it that I want to nitpick because people are I, like, oh, it was I, this. Oh, it was this. I was like, dude, you're yep. wrong. <laughs> I will say, I will say that one thing I can say about this movie is I was not bored one single moment during no, the right. movie. And that right there is a win. Because yeah. <laughs> let me tell you, even some of the best movies nowadays. I mean, there's sections in them that's just, you know, I understand there's yeah. character building and story plot building and stuff like that, you know, but man, sometimes, you know, I'm going to get up and go to the bathroom, you know, yeah, I, I mean, you know, I'm not everything needs to be two and a half hours long, you know, yeah, there's a yeah. lot of bloating movies these days. And yeah. there was, that was like my only, my only beef with it. Well, not, that's not true. I had several other beefs. Like the, my only like real like concern was like, um, there's a car chasing because it's Batman. There's always going to be a car oh, yeah. chasing. Yeah. And I actually fell asleep at the beginning of that car chasing, <laughs> like only for like like two minutes, and then I woke back up and I was like, oh, but it was such a long movie. I was exhausted. Like I can only do so. Yeah, it's long. See, so yeah. yeah. on Matt <laughs> But uh, if it wasn't for there you go, we're not really listening to it. So perfect. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good no, idea. I wouldn't have minded the the length uh, if I didn't have like thirty two gal like gallons liters of Pepsi going into that. Yeah. <laughs> for me, it gave me the same. The last movie I was that alert in was Dunkirk, and that it's I... an action movie for art nerds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I yeah. enjoyed Dunkirk. Yeah, but I, I I I like movies like that though. Yeah, I, I like World War Two movies. Oh yeah, again, okay, those things were like that nineteen twelve, where it's like, hey, it's a, it's a war story, but you also you have to be like really into art. <laughs> it's, like, it's an art it's an art house war story, which I like. Um, but yeah, you, yeah, so, a ghost TV series would have been awesome. Been I just want to put it out there. I, I'm still torn if I'm going to see Morbius. I didn't even realize it was out already. Like, there has been so many. Oh, it's coming out. Oh, it's coming out. I lost track of when it was going to come out. And my friend told me about it. And I was like, oh, crap. He's like, I've already gone to see it. I was like, bro, really? I I, I saw the collective sigh on the Twitter sphere when it came out, and everyone's like, oh. I'm going to watch it, but it's going to be a home watch. Yeah. uh, I believe. I, I, I really try to save my movie going, booming speakers and atmosphere mm-hmm. for, you know, really, you yep. know, really tried and true movies. Cause like, I, it's yeah. so seldom I get to go to the movies, you know, you want to make it worth it. Yeah. 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 You, you don't want to do a freaking, right. I mean, uh, I'll, I'll go to the movies to watch like Godzilla versus Kong or something, mm-hmm. but you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Epics. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, if, if the movie-going experience, you know, doesn't, if the theatrical experience, you know, doesn't improve, you know, the movie itself has no bearing on it. Like, I'm not going to go see a comedy in the theater. I'll get the same impact right. at home as I would, you know, in the theater on that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Same, same. All right. Uh, yeah, like, other other than that, like, I've been pretty much just grinding. Sure. Um yeah, understandable. Yeah. Uh, I can relate. This week has been, uh, we just finished the Kickstarter for Wolf Hunter. Check your emails, fill out the survey. Damn. Yeah. Uh, right. the Kickstarter surveys. They're not optional, people. You got to do them. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so we just finished that. And uh, I've been working on the the after promo because you still have to you know, get people to fill out the surveys. Do that. Hey, thanks for sending money for our little comic thingy um uh and started working on the history edition so for those of you who did back nice. it and not, are not aware uh we hit our second search goal which means we are doing a history edition where uh world war ii uh wolf Hunter being a world war ii spy story we referenced a lot of history and a lot of like fun things that you uh we try to like hit things that weren't necessarily in overview textbooks obviously the entire book centers around the tizard mission which unless you are a technology or interrelations theory major you may not know about. Uh, so, uh, so you're going to send the audio tape along with it. Uh, we're doing audio a, commentary. Yes. Yeah. To I'm, go I'm, along while you read the book. Yeah. Uh, we're going to uh, uh, get um, uh, Sir, Sir Patrick Stewart to the narration. Uh, yes. Right. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> I knew we, uh, yeah, I knew, he, he's new at Silverline. Yeah, I knew we'd put him to work somehow. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. No, we just uh, ran in in between takes on the card, just with lines like, "Hey, please read this." Yeah, please read this. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, uh, we're doing a, a, like a tie-in, so it's going to be uh, a separate book to read along with your comics. That way, as you go page by page, it'll be like, and here's you know the first pages get into the Hawker Hurricane and the ME one hundred nine and the BF one hundred nine or one hundred three one hundred nine. Um, uh, Germans like a lot of nines in there. Technology nine, nine. uh, Panzer seven nine, they're light tank. Um, but uh, we're in you know, explaining like, okay, here's this piece of technology, here's the periods of the war it was used in. Uh, this is the second conflict of Dover, so at this point, this is being introduced, blah blah blah. Uh, and then you know, going over uh, the practicalities of the Tizard mission, the um theorized parts of history as well as the things that we only get from now that you know uh certain letters have been revealed from people who are active in the various governments at that point now we know like how more of the spy game worked in london during world war ii um so getting into that and we're going it's kind of page by page so as you're reading it you get a reference to go along with it so that's that's cool yeah that's cool and then uh saturday uh or sunday filed my taxes um (laughs) <laughs> lots of fun there uh but uh mostly it's just been no it's not being late because i have holdings in real estate and international markets close later in the year yeah. uh but uh been uh 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 I mentioned halo started watching moon Knight, and yeah, did that is yeah. everything that i wanted from that we didn't get the uh uh, the, the, we didn't get the ketamine raid. Uh, we have no reference if he's going to uh, break Dracula's knees, and we didn't get the random BS go panel yet. But um, 
uh, the showrunner has said in commentary since then that they are a big fan of Moon Knight memes. So nice. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what we have for Princess later on, but I've been really enjoying that show. Uh, I watched it as well. I, I forgot, but yeah. yeah. That's what I think about it. I forgot about it. Perfect. Well, it's, um, I'm Moon Knight, just I, I, I liked I it. I liked it. I mean, some things like Moon Knight. It kind of feels like those '90s superheroes movies where the people who aren't as you know, you know, you read your Avengers and your Justice League, and that's about like your entry level into comics or whatever. But they're like, who is Moon Knight, and why is this uh, British man talking to himself in a mirror? Yep. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Moon Knight. You mean Jewish Batman? Yes. That's right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's good. I'll hire him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, it, I've been <laughs> enjoying that a lot. Um, I didn't think I was going to like the way the suit looked and mm. the way they like incorporated that into it. But you talking about the toilet paper li- suit? I, yes. Yes. I like, I like a lot. Because I didn't, like the, I didn't like when they kind of did that for Spawn. I thought that was kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. Like, that's mm-hmm. just my opinion. You know what I mean? Sure. But I thought they, I thought they played it off pretty well. Like in, yeah. in I, I like that it, it, they saved it for the last moment. Like kind of like the opposite yeah. where we got we got the helmet off too early in Halo. The suit coming <laughs> yeah. in at the very end was the right. Move. Save something, man! Man, yeah. save something! Yeah. I am also hoping. I, I want to see. I, I do want to see the Mister Knight suit, like the vest and the tie. But I want yeah, that to be yeah. stay for later in the season as well, because that's going to be yep. a really good moment. Yeah, I don't want that right away. Like, please, yes. please. Please put that off just a little bit. Let it let us build up to it. Oh yeah. And of course, I'm hoping that this means that in in future editions of What If we get the uh, Moon Knight One Man Avenger What If story. <laughs> um. Well, I really enjoyed the horror aspect of. Oh it. yeah. Uh, yeah. That's uh, I love that. We yeah. need more of that. Yeah. I, I, we said that earlier in earlier episodes, but superheroes as a whole genre, comics, movies, or whatever. Uh, superheroes don't need to serve as a genre themselves. They can serve as a platform for a genre. Right. Yeah. I mean, Logan being a Western, uh, having uh, Moon Knight be more of a, a supernatural horror, I feel like is, is perfect for uh, the way that character is now. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, and here I am just waiting for someone to do a good version of Ghost Rider. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, please please we don't might hold be... your breath. I know. We, <laughs> we, we don't are... want you to pass out. <laughs> we, we are supposed to get uh, uh, Robbie Ramirez uh, some point in the future, which m- leads me to believe we might get uh, Midnight Suns. Midnight Suns okay. would be, yeah. don't even get, man. I know. <laughs> and we're going to have to do a new 90s. version of Blade. It's like, you know, yeah. kids well, we do sit have... there yeah. on their bed and they prayed, please, Santa, bring me something great and amazing gift that I want for Christmas. I'm over here like, please Dark Overlords, bring me a nice son. Yeah. <laughs> we, do have, we do have Mahershala Ali in the new Blade, and I really like Mahershala Ali. He, I, I oh, like yeah, him a lot. Alita Alita Battle Blade already. I yes. was just kidding, but okay. It's a, it's in production, yeah, and I, I really liked him a lot in Alita Battle Angel, so I'm and some yeah. other stuff, so okay. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him in that role. All right. Well, I mean, yeah, I'll give him a chance. You know, obviously Wesley Snipes, but uh, he's not exactly marketable anymore. So. Yeah. Although they did have Wesley Snipes and what we do in the shadows. That was Wesley Snipes is Wesley Snipes. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> it's like he's not here. Wait, he's that show. He's that show is so funny. It's so good. I, I also need to watch our flag means death. I haven't started it yet, but uh, it's I from... watched. I think I watched half of episode one. Yeah, <laughs> it's there are aspects like parts of it so far that I'm like, okay, that is not British people <laughs> must be cracking up over this particular scene. Yeah, because that is not funny to me. But then there are moments where I just die laughing because like it's just like. The little jokes that are set on it. It's, it's yeah. funny. Uh, being raised from a Irish, French, German family, uh, uh, raised on Monty Python and a bit of Fry and Laurie, I'm sure I'm gonna just love it. Uh, but uh, yeah, the Wesley Snipes as Wesley Snipes the vampire. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was great. Um, yeah. Uh, Reedy, what about well, you, Tim? What? What about you? Did you tell us what? I mean, we've had a long intro so far, but I know that's 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 I've heard we use this as a way to deep dive into. Uh, I mean, obviously, with you know, we we've done hard, we've gotten more into doing a hard lesson or how hard skill craft things with our last one. We've been in soft skill craft for a while, but uh, with uh, Mark on and having I guess uh, it's kind of fun to do kind of a lighter episode where we get to know creators as personalities as well. Um. Uh, I, you know, uh, we get to uh, know them as people exactly <laughs> and uh, Mark already has uh, Common America running so uh, I'm sure people who are here for him or are deeply familiar with that and if you're not boy um, but... so, I've actually not read the comic right but I, I read the webtoons mm. oh yeah that's good because um, we intended the webtoon to be able to act as something that can be read on its own from apart from the comic, it's still in continuity, but um, our compromise that uh, we'll do short arcs that um, retell some of the important plot moments from the main series, but from a different perspective. So even if you've already been reading the main series, you're still getting something new out of the web comic. Yeah. That's such a good idea. That is such a good idea because a lot of times, you know, it's hard to get on a new book or a new thing. Just because you feel like you know you've missed uh, already, oh, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> and yes. there are several, like several of the webtoon episodes that, like, I feel it's almost like a uh, we didn't touch base on this in the comic. Like I said, I haven't read the comic yet, but like I, that's the feeling I got was we didn't touch base in the comic. We're gonna like snip it in here so that you guys can, can like you know, yeah, oh okay, I, I get that. That's where I get to do those things I was talking about at the beginning of, the, of tonight's show, where it's like, all right, let's just do a story about the characters going grocery shopping. Can't do that in the yeah. main series because we got to move the plot forward, but I can do something on the webtoons where we can just do something fun like that. Absolutely. We can we can talk about some of their backstory that's may, maybe semi-relevant. So some of the stuff from the webtoons, you know, if you've been reading the webtoons as well and the main series, you'll get a little more out of it because you might see where the two things connect, but it's not mandatory. But also, you know, we had some people when we started doing the webtoons who were telling us, like, why would you, you do that? It's free. You're not going to make any money. Like, ah, but once we have enough of them, we're going to collect them and then we're going to sell right. them. And then we're going to make money for the people who want to have those things in print to put on their shelf next to their main Absolutely. volumes. And uh, how often do you update the webtoon? Uh, webtoon is every Wednesday morning. So I uh, kind of get the, the same thing where if you're if you're a comic reader and you're kind of binging for your next main hit, you got you know, the webtoon is kind of your, your first one's free. Yeah, right. Well, it also <laughs> yeah. keeps uh, it keeps people thinking about the brands and yeah, thinking yeah. about the book and the characters in between volumes. Because we put out uh, three books a year. We do two Common Americas and one Black Cops. 
So there are these stretches of a few months, you know, in between each volume. And the Webtoons gives people their hit of Common America once oh, a yeah. week to remind them that it exists and who the characters are and to keep them hooked. And then the next volume comes out and then they can go and they can get that. Perfect. That's dope. Yeah, it was, like I said, it was, it was a pretty pretty interesting read. I dug it. Oh, thanks. No. Uh, uh, yeah, I, uh, anything, uh, you know, Super Common Writer, well, that's... The, I've said before, in uh, the uh, the more comics go off the deep end, the more I love them. And the, a lot of manga and Japanese content starts so far off the deep end that uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm really into it. I mean, that, that's why we're so jealous of that they just they don't have to put themselves in the box from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And, and now, don't get me wrong. I mean, the Japanese will do, you know, like the isekai genre, the whole like I was reincarnated in such and such magical yes. world. You know, there's only so many times you can watch, you know, a formula of that. They, they'll yeah. do crazy stuff, but there's eventually a breaking point where there's too many right. permutations. Mm-hmm. But I mean, just the fact that they can do stories like that, they can. Uh, Dragon Ball Z is really popular, right? They did one spinoff that was just like a guy gets reincarnated as the worst character in Dragon Ball Z. Yes. And he's like, what? I get stuck as Yamcha. I don't want to be Yamcha. No one wants to be Yamcha. So it, yeah. like, so it retells the story of Dragon Ball Z from this guy who's stuck as the worst character. And he's motivated. It's like, no, if I'm going to be stuck as this guy, he's going to be the best character. And so he basically becomes... he. He overshadows the actual hero Goku throughout the the plot lines <laughs> of the series, and it's really clever. It's a really interesting take on, on it. So they, they get to find some really funny ways to, um, you know, put spins on even a, a tired genre like Isekai that you thought yeah. everybody had done everything before. Absolutely, and even like even when they do operate within, you know, used tropes, uh, they they there's also a lot of like really weird takes on it. Like one of the ones that kind of blew up and where i liked was the take on it was uh d gray man with its kind of take on on shonen storytelling and i never got around to watch i think i saw the first episode of d gray man when it came out but that was also like 10 years ago so oh, yeah. i don't remember it very well it's already uh, i believe it it finished more recently because the uh, uh for the manga wise because the creator she had gotten into a car accident and then oh. could only recently actually uh uh work on it hmm yeah. Um, what else have I been up to this week? Uh, started playing Bolt Action for those into tabletop wargaming, World War II based strategy games, and I uh, was watching a lot of documentaries because I've turned into a middle aged man with a World War obsession. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah. That's you, Tim. Yeah. Uh, and also, uh, and I, the book I'm currently reading through is the second. The Second World War, or the Second War, by Anthony Bivor, uh, which is a um, uh, an a, a kind of an analysis. Uh, it's a uh, for those of you who've gone through school for uh, history, it's a third-hand source, uh, uh, tertiary source. That it's a combination of primary and secondary sources with analysis offered on top, uh, looking at the humanitarian impact of the Second World War and kind of looking at uh, the decisions how uh, each side made and how they impacted. Um, smaller level individuals kind of looking at uh french the, the french government's decision to delay actually declaring war in germany for so long and uh also looking at you know the some of the guys who are conscripted by five armies and fought on a bunch of different sides <laughs> during the course of the war but the you know 
kind of the weird things you don't necessarily think about, which I, I think is pretty interesting to get into. Uh, I can't remember his name exactly. Um, I have to pull up again, but there was a, uh, a, a Korean soldier uh, who uh, fought and then, uh, and then was conscripted when Japan uh, annexed Korea into Manchukuo uh, and created their puppet state there. He then, uh, in the border conflict with Russia, was then captured and conscripted by the Red Army, who <laughs> then put him into the Western Front, where he was captured and conscripted by uh, the Wehrmacht, and uh, then eventually found his way over to the uh, uh, into, uh, I believe it was in Belgium or the Netherlands, and uh, was finally able to surrender to Allied forces over there, and ended up. Uh, living out in America because he's captured by the United States army. <laughs> wow. Hey, wow. Don't put me to work. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. So it's kind of the weird, weird little stories that you don't necessarily think about when it comes to the greater historical events. Um, yeah. That's been what I've been after is just being uh, a history nerd and reading and watching a lot of, <laughs> and you know what I think is uh, amazing about that, that whole uh, story is think of how many stories there are that have not even been told. Oh yeah, that there was no writer present or 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 you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of us, you know, we don't think our stories are that important anyway. Each of us in our own right, we don't we don't think that way, you know. And it takes somebody yeah. else hearing it to see the value in it. I mean, think of yeah. all the stories that have come and gone and had no writer, had never, you know, had a pen to paper, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, that's amazing. That, Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, first, it's amazing that you survived that many fronts and that no many kidding. armies. Yeah, as yeah. A script, yeah. But yeah. then, yeah. And then also do, do we had a point where uh, some journalist uh, finds out about, like, wait, how how many armies did you fight for? Yeah. <laughs> and I was able to actually tra- uh, put that down into a, and thank you, Mr. Boone. Uh, check your, check your emails. Uh, do the surveys. <laughs> That's right. Yep. Uh, yeah. I keep rolling to weird as I'm going to collarbone, do the surveys on the other collarbone. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of been our hour-long intro of our two-hour show. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, but I, like I said, I wanted this to be more of a uh, lighter topic uh, discussion because uh, it's kind of what we mentioned earlier in the emails. Um, excellent. But I, <laughs> I, I didn't want to just have uh, Mark jump on like, hey, you want to do a show? Great, you're teaching the lesson for two hours. Yeah. <laughs> we totally should have did that. We totally <laughs> should have did that. Yes. I mean, he's getting paid fifty thousand dollars for the show. He should be working. <laughs> fifty thousand dollars, but it's all in Del Taco vouchers. Oh yeah, it's yeah. the mail, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. That's uh, on the list for September as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, Del Taco. Uh, uh, I haven't actually been, I can't remember a whole lot of what was up in town because I, again, I lived in Orlando. I was only up in Tampa every so often. So I have to see if I remember a few things, but uh, yeah. Um, uh, Mark, what are your kind of your go-to uh, convention, restaurant stops, foods, what have you? Ah, uh, geez. So, well, w- w- one time we did a show that in uh, Missouri 
that was probably the worst show we ever did. Um, and I won't name names on it or anything, but it did not go well. Um, it was bad. So we're like, all right, if we drove all the way here to Missouri and we're, we're not going to have a good show, we got to get something out of this. So we drove like 45 minutes out from uh, the hotel we were staying at to go to Lambert's, which is like a famous restaurant. Oh, yes. The Throne Rolls. Yes, yes. Yeah, we're like, all right, we're, we're going to make an excursion so we have some good memory of doing this. So we ate at Lambert's, and their food was fantastic. The Foley, Alabama. Fun, but the, uh, the food there was really good. You know, they, they're famous for their side dishes, of all things, because they come – like the waiters, they have waiters with side dishes who just kind of like – walk circuits around the restaurant and if they see that you don't have any sides on your plate because you finished them they're like you want some more fried potatoes and onions like yeah load me up you know like and the food there was great yeah y'all want some pumpkin peas put a big old huge Mm. put a big old huge bowl on your table for everybody (laughs) to get black eyed peas out of holy moly oh man good old like i need this restaurant in my life (laughs) (laughs) i went to the one in foley alabama Mm. man that it, it, amazing, absolutely amazing. Yeah, they, sometimes the food is. I mean, we we do between the two of us, we probably do a dozen shows a year. You know, some of them are going to be great, some of them are going to be good. You might have a couple disappointments. So we always try to, uh, good or bad, we try to get some good food while we're there, right. wherever we're at, and uh, at least right. have that going for us. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, uh, food is, is definitely one of those things that, uh, even if the restaurant experience is absolute trash, that'll, that'll make it worth it. <laughs> well, I say that, you know, uh, our yeah. first night we went to Lambert's and we made a, you know, a big, like a excursion for it. Oh, yeah. Sunday on our drive back when we just like left early on that show, we're like, uh, we're, uh, we're just going to swing by come and go and get some hot dogs. <laughs> so we just ate yeah. some come and go, uh, gas oh, station yeah. hot dogs and then just drove the rest of the way. <laughs> Yeah, that's. I'm all about a good hot dog now. No, perfect. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of the uh, the the equivalent of uh, we're at a. I mean, we're going up to uh, Portland and Mount Hood for, and if you're used to the area, or if you watched Man vs. Food, you may have heard of Killer Burger, uh, with their famous burger, the Triple Bypass. Oh, oh man! man. <laughs> yes, that's a great name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it, it I mean, will... it's not a good burger if it hasn't killed two people. <laughs> uh, it, it, yes, uh, you do have to sign a waiver. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, if you, even if you don't do that, the rest of the burgers are, are pretty fantastic. Uh, if not chock full of cholesterol and you need to like run three miles the next day, but, uh, <laughs> coming down and then the, their, their, their trailer, uh, is closed. The, so, and we don't want to like take the, take the off to like happy Valley and go like essentially another several miles North. We have to come back down South. So instead we go to Dairy Queen and just have mad indigestion for <laughs> three hours. <laughs> Yeah, I got a Dairy Queen right uh, near where I live. I I love going there, man. But uh, you know, you can't go to Dairy Queen and not get like the ice cream, right? Yeah. So it's yep. uh, yeah, you end up just like really loading up every time you go there because like mm-hmm. oh, I'm at a Dairy Queen, I got to get a Sunday or a yeah, yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. Here in Texas, they have tacos, and they're actually really good, mm-hmm. really good. And uh, the only reason I say here in Texas is because I'm from Mississippi and the yeah. Dairy Queens in Mississippi, they don't have tacos. I remember yeah, when I moved yeah. when I moved back to Mississippi, I couldn't wait to get to Dairy Queen to get some tacos because they're so good. And they did not have tacos. I was like, it must be a Texas thing. And mm-hmm. sure enough, it oh, is a Texas thing. 
Must be. Yeah, the ones around here in Arkansas don't have them either. Well, if they ever get them, I'll just go ahead and tell you that Dairy Queen, unless they do something different with them, the ones here are, I mean, better than, you know, most places you go. I feel like that's kind of... Oh, go ahead. Well, I'm originally from uh, Northern Virginia, and I was really crestfallen when I moved to Arkansas, and I found out that my favorite chain restaurants up there, Roy Rogers, was a local place. It's it's not, uh, it's only up there in the Northeast. So I come down here, and Roy Rogers has my absolute favorite fried chicken, and I haven't been able to eat that in 10 years. And I'm oh, getting, no. like, you know, the, the chills and the <laughs> trembles. Like, yeah. I need my Roy Rogers chicken, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, that's uh, another issue. Like, the the other issue I see with uh, people from the Roy East coming over is, especially if they're from, like, the main area, uh, every place is... Like no matter where you go, if, even if it's like a native seafood place, seafood place like Oregon, obviously we have a very big coastline with a lot of seafood, but nothing has crabs done the right way for anyone from Maine. <laughs> well, Maryland, you know, like yeah. uh, right up there near where I'm, I'm from, you know, they have their uh, their whole blue crab and their whole idea yes. of, of crabs there. Yeah, their whole culture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. My thing is, is once I go to a place, once like. Well, for instance, like uh, once I have the best steak in town, I don't order steak mm-hmm. from anywhere else oh, yeah. any, anymore. I'll order something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, there for a while, I made a rule with myself. If I go to a seafood restaurant, I'm ordering seafood. I'm not going to order, you know, something other than seafood because I'm at a seafood restaurant. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah. Right. Once you, I, want once... you go to a steakhouse? Yeah. Yep. And uh, usually I will only order, you know, like whatever that place is really good at. Oh, yeah. and, and that's it. If I'm going to eat something else, I'll go somewhere else. That's especially, yeah. I have a, a relative um, who will grade Chinese restaurants by their cheeseburger. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> bizarre. Okay. Yeah. That's, good. That, that's, that's his metric is for, for any. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, cheeseburger. Yeah. That is weird. <laughs> All right. All right. So I mean, I remember sitting at a Chinese buffet once, and there's a guy like two tables over who was just chewing out the the poor waitress at the Chinese buffet because oh, yeah. they didn't have any ketchup. <laughs> I was like, "What on earth are you going to put ketchup on at a Chinese buffet?" Yeah. <laughs> I want to know. That's that's wild. <laughs> well, uh, you put it on everything. It, I mean, some <laughs> yeah. that's true. Yeah. So we're entering into our last half hour here. And uh, for those of you watching, I want to thank you again for watching. Don't forget to uh, like, subscribe, share, comment, do all the stuff. Mark, is there anything in particular that you want to talk about uh, on your time here? Uh, no, I think we just uh, we just shot the breeze and, and had a fun time. So, so being a, a comic person now, like a lot of us, we're all working in you know indie comics, Kickstarter area. Have you always been a fan of crowdfunding or is this being moved into recently or did you start in traditional move into crowdfunding? How, how was that journey into crowdfunding look like for you? So the first books that we published, um, we did those direct markets. Um, our first publisher is actually an Arctic press. Um, they published mm-hmm. black cops, uh, volume one, which was originally a two issue miniseries, And, uh, we, we did that at first and then we decided to shift to crowdfunding uh, first with just Indiegogo, just to see what that was like. We did Black Ops 2, and then we did the Walmart books um, through uh, Indiegogo. And then that worked out okay. And then we uh, did Kickstarter for Common America 1, 
and that worked out even better. And then we decided to do the um, the last chance on Indiegogo. So we do a Kickstarter first that runs for about a month, and then we do a limited last call on Indiegogo for anybody who missed the boat in the Kickstarter. Because what we found out is that, I mean, I'm the same way too. I don't like to make a bunch of accounts for 10 million different websites. You yeah. know, I'll buy something yep. from Amazon.com, but I'm not necessarily going to go and make a site, uh, an account for BarnesandNoble.com or something. And people are yeah. like that with crowdfunding. They got a Kickstarter account or they got an Indiegogo account. Yeah. Um, and not a lot of crossover. So if we do them on both, uh, then we are able to uh, serve um, both those customer bases. Everybody has their chance. Um, and so that ended up working out even better for us. In each one of our campaigns, we've either increased in um, dollar amount or have increased in backer numbers, um, depending on which ones we do. So that's been growing for us. And the crowdfunding model has worked really well. But we just don't put all of our eggs in one basket on just crowdfunding. So we also have our books available digitally on Amazon for Kindle. Um, we usually do that last um, after all the crowdfunding and everything has all those pre-orders have uh, fulfilled. And then we also have Overstock available year-round on the IconicComics.com web store. Um, but they're not as cheap as pre-ordering through the um, Kickstarter or Indiegogo. So that's usually why we always recommend and encourage people to pre-order through the um, crowdfunds. Then you're going to get it at the best price. If you're getting it overstock on the Iconic Comics web store, like months later, you're going to pay a little bit more. So, yeah, we, we just found that. Uh, and then we also, usually about a year later, um, Antarctic Press uh, will republish a uh, saddle stitch edition of our books that just doesn't have the back matter material in it. And they'll publish that direct to markets uh, for comic shops. So, we get just about the full spread of, at least as we can think of, of everybody that we can serve, um, regardless of where they get their comics from. But it took us like, you know, four years to to get that spread. So it was, it was a lot of growth and a lot of uh, work. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, so you've kind of always been both a tandem writer slash uh, your own agent, publicist, publisher, and the business side of things. I would rather just be a writer because I'll be honest, doing like oh, the yeah. hustle, you know, that's not everybody's a, an A type personality. Yeah. I, I'm really not. So Absolutely. That's the hard part. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but you got to do it. So, you know, I worked uh, in retail for 10 years. Um, mm -hmm. So I know how to put on a smiling face and go do customer service and, uh, and enjoy that. We do, like I said, we do about a dozen conventions every year. So we're there at the booth and we're there selling our books and, and chatting it up with people and trying to draw, um, you know, potential readers over towards our booth and tell them all about common America and black ops. Um, that's not always the, the easiest thing to do. You know, if you just don't have that personality type, if you're just not an extrovert and I'm really much more of an introvert, that's yeah. not easy. Um, so I would say that's the hardest part. Um, writing's the fun part. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think every writer gets into writing because they want to write. I think it's just uh, the, the issue with uh, uh, the publishing market as a whole now that we can't afford to hire as many marketers as we want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the other end of that is we become such uh, an introvert and recluse that it becomes its own gimmick and you become Alan Moore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Or, or Bill Watterson or something. Yeah. Right? Where, yeah. You know, yeah. people have to find a treasure map to locate you, you know, like uh, scavenger hunt, find Bill Watterson, get an interview. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah, I think that's that's part of the reason of why I'm, I'm also growing out the hair and, and maybe the beers. I'm just going to start my gimmicks. I'm just going to look like the uh, the 
uh, airbrushed uh, travel van wizard uh, <laughs> in the back of every nice. convention hall. Yeah, and like, oh, that's it looks weird, uh, and that'll be my shtick. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I am a very introverted person, but I. I've been jobs before, uh, much like you, Mark, where you just have to, you, I mean, you you can't not talk to people. And and so because of that, I, over over the years, it it just, you know, my extroverted personality, which is aside from my introverted personality grew. uh, And I learned, you know, it's something some people just have to learn, you know, Mm -hmm, and, and some, you know, some people are just so natural and so free. Uh, and in some ways I envy them, but sometimes, you know, most of the time I just yeah. wish they'd shut up, you know, there are people who are, who are energized and who are fueled by socializing. And there oh, are yeah. those who are drained by it. I, I'm mm-hmm. one of those. Guys I am one of by the, it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll go out room. and I'll do it. Like I said, I worked, you know, customer service for a long time in retail positions uh, before I got, you know, the job that I have now. And I would just go out there and do it. But every day I'd go home and just, you know, wanting to collapse. Uh, uh, where some of my friends yeah. who are the A-type personalities, they would end their shift just on top of the world. And they were ready to go to the club or something, you know. I'm like, yeah. oh, well, I never yeah. knew there was a thing, you know, that it was a thing, introverted, extroverted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I went into teaching. <laughs> and, oh, wow. you know, I, it wasn't my first choice, but I love to learn and I love to, to teach, you know, relay information. But I didn't think about that I'd be relaying it to people. All the <laughs> 30 time. kids at once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So So it's very hard to be extroverted when my entire goal in life is to be a grumpy old man. Yeah, Yeah, I did it for seven years. And I tell you, they're toward uh, probably, I mean, it it really, really took a toll on me. I mean, every day I would come in off, uh, you know, after school and I would have to teach night classes and, you know, I teach at the school during the day and I teach at night. And I teach, uh, you know, extra classes on the weekend. And I, I mean, I would literally have to get in a dark room mm-hmm. whenever I would get home because it was just I would have migraines so bad. Oh, yeah. But I'm, but now, well. you know, doing my art and stuff, I don't have to worry about that as much. And as badly as I hate, you know, the whole COVID thing, it put me at home and I love it. Come on, China, let's see what else you can come up with. <laughs> I made a comment to a friend when uh, she posted, like, oh, you know, like, like uh, everyone you know, was complaining because they, you know, oh, they had to stay home and whatnot. I was like, not artists. Like, artists yeah. as a whole were like, we we were bred for this. Yeah. We were bred to sit at home and just draw yep. pretty pictures and not mm-hmm. do anything, not go out and talk to people. Thank you, COVID. <laughs> yeah. Mine is all the bad stuff about it, but, man. Yeah. yeah. And now I got to go out and talk to people? I know. Man. That's also another thing is also like for a lot of us, it, when you learn that to put on that extroverted face uh, from work or uh, whatever, like obviously yep. ex- uh, streaming helps develop that. Also, uh, I have a background in, uh, I have a background in musical theater, which is something that you don't necessarily equate with working in comics, but um, yeah, you definitely learn to put on that, that, that switch. Uh, and just having that switch in general has uh, done a terrible number on my dating life because how have we not had you break into song yet 
We'll get there. Uh, but uh, <laughs> the amount of girlfriends are like, I don't understand how you act like like three different people just depending on like you just like, bounce back and forth and they're like, I'm, I'm not lying to you in any way. It's just <laughs> right. I'm, 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 I'm Pavlov's dog. I am trained to behave. Yep. <laughs> Well, it's really tough, though. It's really tough, you uh, you know, when you, uh, especially, you know, when you have to, and this is another thing, and uh, I'm sure you dealt with this, uh, Mark, is, you know, um, having to sell, not only talk to people, but mm-hmm. also to sell your craft oh, yeah. and what you do. It's so awkward, you know. It, I, it, I it like is. I'm imposing on people, and, and I don't like to do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I am so, and I I don't know about you guys, but I'm like so used to not trying to draw attention to myself when I have to. I kind of feel dishonest or like I'm, you know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to say these things. And when I, you know, when, you know, when I have to like start actually selling, it's like a little, you know, it's a little bit like I'm being disingenuous, you know. Um, Yeah. uh, Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I, I grew up being humble to a fault. Mm-hmm. Like, truly, I know people are like, oh, yeah, I'm humble. No, actually, like, even if I won a prize, like, no, can you pass that to the other guy? Yeah. Yep. Nope. Yeah. It's and tough. Then, it's tough. And, uh, you know, this is, uh, this business asks you to be something that, you know, most of us, we are, it, we are what we are because right. we're not that something that it asks us to be. And right. that is a hustler. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't know about you. My craft was built on hours of being alone, mm-hmm. you know, nobody messing with me, you know, me getting away from everybody. And then now all of a sudden right. in order to sell what I do or to get attention to it, I have to show it and I have to be out there. And, you know, that's a really, yeah. really tough, weird Barker thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So weird, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah well, I'm I mean, trying to get a friend of mine who does that for a living. Basically, he uh, talks to college kids or kids to, about going to college. I'm like, dude, you just need to kind of conventions and bark for me. That's yeah. it. <laughs> I know. I mean, ticket. when we do conventions, one of our, our rules is that uh, we don't sit down. Um, mm-hmm. So as long as you're standing, yeah. it's a lot easier. I mean, you're looking people in the eye. You're not like down there, and you're it's it's easier to converse with people and be more active because you're 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 on your feet. Uh, when we go to conventions and we talk to some people, you know, at the end of like a Saturday or whatever, you know, everybody wants to like, hey, how was your day? Whatever. A lot of the ones we notice that the folks who say like, oh, I had a really like rotten day at today's convention. We notice that they're the ones who who sit all day and they have their phone yeah. out and they just they're not engaging with people. Mm-hmm. And like it or not, when you're at a convention, you have a booth, and the point of the booth is to show off. And part yeah. of that is also bringing people in. Mm-hmm. And so you have to be engaging, and you have to strike up conversations, and you have to talk and smile. And when people ask you like about your books, you want to tell them about your books. And I, I'm I'm really bad at the elevator pitch. So yeah, I've still yeah. been refining that, and Tim is still giving me a hard time about my elevator pitch and 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 how to summarize and describe Common America and Black Ops and the best way to sell it. Um, then we got like Doug Ernst. So the last show we did, um, we had the iconic comics booth that had uh, Tim, me, and Doug, and Doug had his uh, Soul Finder side, and you know, so I'm there trying to pitch Common America to people, you know, like, oh yeah, it's about Carly Vanders. So she's this. Uh, this fashionista and USO dancer who gets hit by cosmic debris and blah, 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 blah. And I give them all like, all like, you know, the whole pitch. 
And then Doug can size a person up and he can, he can tell just by looking at them if they're going to be a soul finder reader or not. And he can just say like, Oh, Hey, you want to check out soul finder? It's about combat veteran exorcists. And there's like, Ooh, and they just like, come right over it. it's like, he makes it look so easy with three words, combat veteran exorcists. And he's got them. And yeah. we all just like, we were kind of like just so jealous mm. of Doug that he's so good at that. Um, and, like, like, how can I boil Common America down to three words? <laughs> I want to have that magic. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it's conventions are really good training grounds for that. But you have to engage in them and you have to participate. You can't go to the convention and sit in your chair and look at your phone all day. You're never Wait, which is it. another conundrum for artists. And yeah. every, every, every artist has to make their own balance. Mm-hmm. But I mean, either you're going to be there and you're going to be talking to people. I mean, sure, it's great to work on commissions and stuff, you know. And you know, but uh, you know, especially ones that you get at the show. But you know, it's best. It, it just my advice, and nobody's asking, but I'm telling. Uh, <laughs> but if you can, if you can get simple stuff and let people know that if you're going to be drawn there, it's 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 your quick stuff. It's not anything super involved because if you're super involved in drawing and I, there's a lot of artists that i've talked to it shows that they say well, i do not draw mm-hmm. that uh, mm-hmm. i do all my drawing prior and after and that and uh, but mm. the whole show you know you, you just really have to strike your own balance with that but i personally i will draw a little bit maybe if there's not a lot of foot traffic but if there's a lot of foot traffic so you so need no to be, you need no to be one, going talking no one, no interiors of cathedrals. Exactly. <laughs> no Wolf Hunter, Tim, TK stuff. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I mean, so luckily, so Tim doesn't do all the conventions with me. Sometimes he doesn't by himself and he has that, that issue, but he's gotten, he's got sketch cards. So uh, if somebody wants him to draw something, he'll draw a sketch card, which he, which he can do pretty quick. So he's not sitting there yeah. all day drawing because it yeah. has that problem if he, he's sitting down there with his his pencil on the on the sketch card and his eyes on it on the platform. You know, he's not bringing people in. But if I'm there with him, then he can draw and I can carnival. See, that's awesome. That's that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's teamwork. Uh, whenever I first started out, before I was a, a teacher, I airbrushed. And I would airbrush at, in Foley, Alabama. You know, I, I told you I went to Lambert's down in Foley. I airbrushed at the Riviera Center. And with that job, you have to be able to sell, talk, and airbrush all at the same time. So I, that gave me a crash course into being being able to paint. But at the same time, hey, folks, what's going on? You know, you know, you know. Oh, put out you know at least get something out there and you know hey we got uh you know free t-shirts today all you have to pay for is the artwork you know which is a scam but anyway uh, <laughs> just letting you know if anybody ever tells you that free t-shirt you know ask them for the free t-shirt you know anyway but yeah. uh i was young but anyway yeah i mean that that helped me out a lot but teamwork that's man that's that's awesome if you could do that if you could have like especially your the 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 writer be there and the artist be there uh, all the time. That's cool. Man, I can barely chew gum and walk at the same time, Quentin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that helps too, is that, you know, sometimes we got to go to the bathroom. We don't got to try and flag down a staff member to watch oh. our booth for us or something, or Tim can go and do a panel and I can watch the booth. 
it helps too that um, autographs are always free at our booth because we're not famous, so we can't charge people for an autograph. But right. um, it helps that they can get the autograph from the artist and the writer, so they can get two autographs and feel like they've got it complete on, on their book whenever they buy it from us. So um, when we have the two of us there, that helps. But I'll be honest, as a writer, we're not as unless you're Alan Moore, or Kevin Smith, yeah. or a celebrity writer like Neil Gaiman or something. You know, you're not as in demand at conventions as artists. So I, I don't do conventions by myself. I go with Tim or I just, you know, don't go. Um, and that works for me too. Cause it means that, um, uh, I always go with the second person. So I never have to do yeah. a convention by myself. Sometimes Tim has to do them by himself cause he's the artist and all the pressures on him. So right, sorry. Tim. Right. <laughs> now everyone wants to pick up like the, uh, the art sheets or like the original pencils. No one wants to come through and like, Oh, is that a beat sheet? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I see you have your summary. All right. All right, well, thanks Mark, thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Mark. Great yeah. time. Glad Get you to talk about everybody. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. good, man. Everything. What, what is the pet that Carly has? A capybara. His name is Ben. Okay, that's what I thought. I was like, that, I, I know what that is. I <laughs> All right. All right. Well, until next time, we were asked our, our friends and followers, or two. Make mine just like we practice. Hey, I'm Alex Savio, and I just want to let you know, make mine Silverline. Thank you for listening to the Silverline Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode. We know we ramble sometimes, but we have fun. And after all, isn't that what comics are all about? We hope you'll follow us on all our social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, LinkedIn, Reddit, MeWe, Gab, and whatever new thing pops up between now and the time you listen to us. Please like, follow, share, and remember, make mine Silverline.